0: just a few short days we will celebrate the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ when God became flesh and dwelt among us. But I want to share this morning from the Word of God why He came. It was twofold. Jesus Christ came because of sin and salvation. And that's the title of this message this morning, sin and salvation. Paul writing to Rome says that the wages of sin is death, the salary of sin is death. Take notice that wages are earned. You have to earn it. If you die and go to hell, you're going to earn it. And beloved, if you die and go to hell, you're going to deserve it. Amen. He said, "But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord." We see the difference here. That the wages of sin is that. De- And you know here, folks, you know, preachers don't preach on sin anymore because it's not popular. But it is essential. Because no man ever got saved first that did not realize that he was lost and apart from God. The wages of sin, the earned salary of sin is death. Sin kills. Sin will kill you. The reason I'm getting old and the reason that one day I'm going to die one way or the other either going through the resurrection or one of my many ailments is going to put me in the ground is sin because a long time ago a man named Adam ate a forbidden fruit and disobeyed God. And the rest, as they say, and I shared that with you in our call to worship this morning, is history. Now, I'm going to read several scriptures this morning from the New Testament on both of these subjects. Again, to the church in Rome in the third chapter, the 20th verse. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then in the 7th chapter, beginning with the 7th verse, the apostle says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. So the Apostle Paul here is sharing with us the importance of the law, an understanding of what the law is. There are 613 points found in the law that God gave Moses for Israel. I have them in my office. Uh, if, if you're a Torah observant, bless your heart, but it's too late. You know what our problem is? To those of you who have reached the age of accountability, I reached the age of my life where I knew the difference between right and wrong, I knew it was wrong when I did it, and I did it anyway. And so did you. And so we were condemned. And the law condemned us. That Old Testament, you you can lose your life in that Old Testament. You better watch out. You better thank God this morning that we live in the new covenant. Hallelujah. In the 8th verse, Paul says, But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment. Now take notice in this produced in me all manner of evil desire. Where does evil desire come from? It comes from sin. And he says, for apart from the law, sin was dead. He said, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And he establishes further the relationship between sin and death. Not only physical death, the death of these moral bodies that we inhabit, but eternal death in the righteous judgment of a holy God. Verse uh, chapter seven, verse eleven, Paul said, "For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me." Sin's a killer. That's why we age. That's why sickness exists. That's why misery exists in the world. How many of y'all watched on TV? Whoever that uh, person was in London went around stabbing folks, killed two people. And we've got you know, uh, time after time after time in our own country, people cr- uh, commit heinous acts of murder, school shootings, mass shootings, mass murder. What gets in these people? Now here's the di- whew, I felt totally go. Listen, what we're being sold is this. Well, that's a mental health problem. They got a mental health problem. That's what it is. What we need to do is we need to deal with a mental health problem. Now I understand mental health troubles and issues. But beloved that ain't it. The problem is sin. They do ungodly acts because of sin. Evil desire is produced in them because of sin. There is a connection and relationship between sin and death. And because of sin man dies and here's the thing about you know where you're going to spend eternity the truth of the matter is this God's going to fix this thing what sin has messed up God is going to heal he is going to repair how's he going to do that he's going to take let's just I mean I'm not this is my handkerchief but it's going to be sin for right now God Almighty is going to take sin and he's going to drop it in a lake of fire and if it's on you you you're going with it if it's on you, you're going with it. we got a problem, folks, that is not being addressed by a whole lot of folks in our culture. That is a sin problem. People have issues because their bad behavior, if you want just to just break it right and shake it right on around the cob, is sin. That's the problem. That's the issue. In Romans 14 and 23, He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. What are you talking about eating? There was an issue there in the early church about eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Some folks were, "Ooh, Lord, I can't eat that. That's been they had a personal conviction. I ain't going to eat that. That's been sacrificed to idols. Other folks said, that idol ain't nothing. Hand me that pork chop. Now, for you Bible students, you know that pork chops is not a part of what they're talking about because they didn't eat no pork chops in Israel. Pork, pork, pork was not on the menu until Jesus said it is finished, praise God. But anyhow, you, you get my the apostle's point here. People had a personal conviction. Some could do it, some couldn't. If, it, if you're condemned by it, don't do it. If your conscience bothers you, this ain't rocket science, folks. Don't do it. You got a clear conscience before God? Make sure you're not harming anybody else with your liberty, the apostle writes further on. But The point that he's making is whatever is not from faith is sin. If you can't do it with a clear conscience. Don't do it. First Corinthians 15 to 56. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is a law. We see that connection is made again. James 1 and 15. Then when desire has conceived. It, it, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown. Brings forth death. There is a process. At work here. One thing. Leads to another. James says in the 4th chapter, 17th verse, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Woohoo! Boy, that'll light us up, won't it? You know to do good and you don't do it? To you it is sin. If you say, well, for convenience sake, I will either not do or refrain from doing just for convenience sake or because I won't do something else. If you know to do good and don't do it, it is sin. The Bible says 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Chapter 3 and verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And then he sums it up, John does in 1 John 5 and 17, where he says all unrighteousness is sin. It's sin. You know, modern culture... tries to make humor out of sin. And it, he, sin just ain't funny. You know? I mean, it, 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 it just didn't. I'm, you know, I, I was just thinking a few pauper uh, songs uh, uh, years ago in which sin was, you know, they tried to portray sin in a humorous vein. There ain't nothing funny about sin. Nothing. It is the source of all misery. It is the source of all destruction. It's not a joke. And it ain't funny. And God ain't laughing. He's going to send it and put it in a lake of fire. And if it's on you, you going with it. So we got trouble, folks. We got an issue. We got a sin problem. Because Adam sinned. Now take notice, the Bible, you know, Eve sinned first. But because Adam sinned. Because he did not stand up as he should have. Adam wasn't, wasn't you know, on the other side of Egypt when uh, Eve took of the forbidden fruit. I mean, we don't lay all this on Eve. But Adam is the one who should have stood up and said, hey, we don't do that in my house. We don't do that in my house. Instead, when she gave it to him, he ate it and he became equally as guilty. And what a mess. Human history is just full of the consequences of that one Unrighteous act of disobedience. The Bible is very clear. God is not unreasonable with us; He is reasonable. But we in a fix, folks, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul tells in Romans. It's affected all of us. Why did Jesus come? Because of sin in the world. But I'm glad it wasn't just because He came to save hallelujah Acts 4 and 12 same apostle nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is a name that will save us Acts 28 28 therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it that's us Hallelujah. I mean, in that first century church, they, they, had, to make, they had to call a council on, uh, uh, over the issue of Gentile salvation. Can the Gentiles be saved or is salvation only for the Jews, the physical genetic descendants of Abraham? And the council came to a conclusion after Peter and Paul had testified before that, hey, Jesus is saving the Gentiles. It was like, woo. Peter stood up and said, look, it's like this. By the time I got to Cornelius' house, I was ready to preach because God had gone to all this trouble to get me there. I was ready to preach. Man, I went in, and I began to share Christ, and before I could get through preaching, they believed. And the evidence of their faith, well, they received the same Holy Spirit that I did on the day of Pentecost. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them to the utter. And you know what? That's all the evidence Peter needed. He didn't need anything else. They were just like we were on the day of Pentecost. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. If you ain't got no other reason to rejoice and thank God this morning, you thank him that salvation has come to the Gentiles. Amen. Amen. Romans 1 and 16. This is one of Brother Greg, my favorite verses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. It is what? It is the power of God to salvation. What is the condition? For everyone who believes. What is salvation? It's faith in Christ. Brother Andy, how do I get saved? believe in Jesus you confess him with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead and he will save you isn't that wonderful now the enemy tries to interject all this other stuff that you got to jump through this hoop and you got to do that and and you got to you know straighten up and clean up he'll straighten I tell you your salvation is genuine he'll straighten you up your conversion is legitimate get ready there are going to be changes coming in your life before you get up out of that altar, he will have placed convictions in your back pocket that you are not aware of until the time comes and you tell people who are we, who will absolutely be amazed at the words coming out of your mouth when you tell them, I don't believe in that. Where'd that come from? came from an altar when you received that spirit of adoption. And now you've got convictions. The Lord has given you what you didn't have before. Used to, you couldn't care less. But now... It's an issue. I don't do that anymore. Amen. Not because I'm trying to clean myself up, but because the Spirit of Almighty God and the Word of God is doing a work in me. And it is an amazing thing to behold what the Lord is doing. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation brother Andy when do I need to be saved today if you're lost under the sound of my voice you do not need to leave this room before you have a little talk with Jesus amen and you confess your sin to him and I'm so glad for that you know I, I feel sorry for a priest in the Roman Catholic they got that little closet and you got to go in there and people come in and they tell you all this cruddy junk that they've done that's absolutely, I'm just thankful that we have a high priest. Amen. His name is Jesus. You can come tell me all your crud if you want to, and all it's going to do is may knock me cross-eyed, but I can't do a thing in the world about it. I share this, a true story. Most of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. When I was eight years old, I was in the Baptist church here in Somerville. And uh, my pastor, uh, Jimmy Swenson, who was a great man, great man of God, he just preached his heart out. And he gave an invitation uh, for folks, that, you know, it wasn't for salvation, if there was somebody you want to pray for to come down to the front. So I was eight years old, and I got up and I walked down the front because I want to pray for my daddy. But my daddy had all kinds of issues. And I shared with Pastor Swenson what my daddy's issues were. But there was a little confusion there, and he thought I was telling him that I did that. And I, I don't know what I ate yesterday, but I'll never forget Jimmy Swenson looking up that congregation at South Lawnville Baptist Church and saying, you won't believe what this child has told me. <laughs> you know, but I went down to pray for my daddy. But somehow I got saved in the in the transaction and people come and shook my hand and I got baptized in water. I, I, I just didn't have the heart to tell him, look, I was talking about my daddy. I, you know, I didn't drink and smoke and chase skirts and all this other stuff. But for an eight-year-old kid, you know, <laughs> We have a great high priest. His name is Christ Jesus the Lord. And if you will confess your sin to him, he will forgive you and save your soul. Hallelujah. That's why he came. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow. When the whole, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit presents the gospel of Jesus Christ to you as truth, he creates a crisis moment. You are looking at the gospel, and the gospel is truth, and you know that it's truth, but what are you going to do with it? You either have to accept it or reject it. And godly sorrow, when you realize just how sorry, low down, and worthless we all are. I was waiting on an amen there, but I'll just say amen. We don't like to admit that. We don't like to confess that. But none of us deserve the salvation that has been provided for us by Christ. We are worthy of death and hell. Who is Jesus that he loves us so much, inasmuch as while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. (whistles) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 and 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. Philippians 2 and 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First Thessalonians five and nine. For God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3 and 15, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 5 and 9, And having been perfected, he, he Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And then in the last verse, 1 Peter 1 and 9, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you believe in Jesus, he'll save you. I don't mean agree with historical fact. I mean believe in him. Believe in his gospel. Believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe that only his name is the path to God Almighty. And that there is salvation in none other. I'm the most politically incorrect preacher I know. And I don't want to get haughty, but I'm kind of proud of that. They don't want, I've never been asked to participate in an ecumenical service because what I got to say, the other folks on the platform don't want to hear. I got news for that Muslim, I got news for that Hindu. I got news with that cult. Hey, there was a lady in Walmart the other day. She had a shirt that said, Respect my religion. And it had a big five-pointed star. She was in some kind of a, a cult-type mess. And she just... And you know, listen, folks. You got the Holy Ghost. The devil knows it. He knows it. I don't know what was in that woman, but it knew what I had. I didn't have to speak a word. I just look. I didn't look down. I didn't, you know. But I, you know, if she had asked me, "Why are you looking at me like that?" I told her. If she said, "Respect my religion." I said, "I do not. I don't respect your religion." I see women with the the, the head rags on, and they're they're Muslim. You know, I do not respect the religion of Islam. There is no Allah. He's just a devil. Same devil's behind all those other idols. I mean, you can get into the specifics of it. I don't respect that junk. Because there is only one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, I'll take that to my grave. Hallelujah. He saved me. He hung on that cross and shed his blood to wash away all my sin. So that I might receive that Holy Spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic word. The Jews didn't use it when they prayed because of the familiarity. It was the word that the children used for their daddy. That Holy Spirit of adoption. When I embraced Christ Jesus and believed on him has established a relationship between me and God the Father in heaven. That in the name of Jesus, I have access to the creator of all things. That in the name of Jesus, I have access, hallelujah, to the one in whom resides all power. The Lord himself says, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And because I am his, I have access to that. And there are too many times, instead of listening to what the word of God is, is declaring to us, we listen to the enemy of our soul. Oh, you can't do this, you that, and all of that. That's just a bunch of hogwash. We serve the Lord God Almighty, who omnipotent reigns. One of my favorite verses in Revelation. The Lord God, my Lord God omnipotent reigns. Hallelujah. He has given all power into the hand of his only begotten son, my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord has declared, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Therefore, you will not live in fear. You will live in faith in me. Praise God ain't going to respect that woman's religion. I got news for her. I got good news for her. Jesus saved your sorry soul, lady. I don't know what you've done and don't want to know. It ain't none of my business, but he does. And in spite of that, whoo, there is power in his blood to wash you clean. There is power in his blood to overcome all the effects of all this junk you've been doing for however long you've been doing it to the point where you're proud of it and you got it on your your t-shirt walking around Walmart. He's able to save your soul to the uttermost. We sing it and we ought to. There is power in the blood. Praise God forever. There is power in the blood. The enemy says you've gone too far. The enemy says you've done too much. The enemy says there's no hope for you. Jesus Christ says that the enemy of your soul is a liar and he is the father of it. There is power, power, wonder working power in the shed blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Who is this Jesus that is able? Who is this Jesus who loves us? Amen. Who is this Jesus who is so faithful and true that he wears it on his garment? Faithful and true. I don't deserve salvation I've received. You don't either. Therefore, let us be thankful. I shared Wednesday night about praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Let us be thankful, because the Lord has come—the advent that we will celebrate in just a couple of weeks. Let us do it sincerely. Let us rejoice fervently. Amen. Brother, then how come, you know, and folks who visit this congregation may ask sometimes, how come, how come y'all get all loud, you know? And you get emotional, and you and, and you know some of you cry, and some of you shout, and some of you put your hands up, some of you stand up. How why y'all do all that anyway? I mean, what, what what's the reason? Because we owe him that much. We owe him that much. Jesus came because of sin, but he came to save us. Sin and salvation is why Jesus came. Our sin, his salvation. We bless his name this morning and thank him for that which he has done for us, which we could not do for ourselves. Now, we are going to go to the Lord, and this is a little departure from the normal, normal order of service, but I feel...